Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Now last week, like Rach said, we started a brand new series looking at the book of Ephesians, which is one of the books of the Bible in the New Testament. Uh, we discovered that it's actually a letter written, uh, written to, uh, by one of the early church leaders called Paul, uh, written to uh, a community of believers, maybe a little like this. Um, I'm sure with all their church growth in the early church, they had to do a lot of quick fits, but in this city called uh, Ephesus. So the city of Ephesus at the time was one of the ma- five major cities in first century uh, Roman Empire, and it actually played a really key role in the spread of Christianity in the region known then as West Asia Minor, which is about current day Turkey. Now, and so as Paul is writing this letter, most probably researchers think while he was at house arrest at Rome, the amazing thing about uh, the letter to the Ephesians is that there wasn't any uh, like local um, you know, controversy or bad theology or anything like that going on. So Paul didn't have to address in his letter to the church at Ephesus, um, any specific uh, problems that were that, that that were going on, but uh, what what he gets to do is he gets to write six chapters of this book. He gets to write what one commentator calls the mystery of the church. So once again, I'd love to encourage you to read the book of Ephesians uh, on the audio Bible. It only takes twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. That's all it takes. A little, a little, a little trick, because if you're like, oh, I don't know if I have 20 minutes. If you have an iPhone, you get it out and you swipe right, and then if you have screen time set, it tells you how long you spent on things. And then you quickly check social media, and you're like, oh, that's above 20 minutes. Oh, I just found 20 minutes to read my Bible. Easy. What, what an amazing, what an amazing trick. It's phenomenal. If you have an Android, I don't know how to use those, and the exits are there, there, and no, I'm checking, I'm checking, I'm checking, I'm checking. Um, but last week we, we spoke from chapter 1 of Ephesians um, about this prayer that Paul prayed over the church. And um, Paul's prayer was that the church, that is the people, would, would have a revelation, not, not just a head knowledge, but something that engages head and heart, that, that changes people's lives, that forms them from the inside out. And so we spoke about this prayer. We sort of, you know, nailed it down to three things, oh, two things, actually. I think I did have three, and then I was like, the message is too long, so there's two. Anyway, so we, so we discovered these two things that um, Paul prayed that people would have a confident hope. A confident hope in Christ, a confident hope in who God has called them to be, and that this revelation, they would understand God's power towards us who believed, God's power towards us who believed. And so this week brings us to chapter two. I don't know, we're doing six chapters in four weeks, so we'll probably have to get a move on. But, but anyway, this portion of chapter two jumped out at me um, a number of years ago, and I just really felt led to share it with you this morning. Um, but it's from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through to 7. Uh, I'll read it for you, and then we'll, then we'll have a bit of a chat about it. It says this. It'll be on the screen behind me as well. Um, this is New King James Version, if you're interested. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together. 
Alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So a number of years ago I was uh, working on uh, memorising this, this part of Scripture. Obviously, I didn't do a very good job of it because I just had to read it then. But anyway, anyway I, was, I was working on memorizing this part of, this part of Scripture. And, and when you're looking to memorize it, you're looking to uh, try and find you know, repetitions that are there. Also, my drummer background is always trying to find like a, a rhythm somewhere just to, just to help me remember. And these three repetitions jumped out at me. Uh, this, this portion of Scripture says, together three times. It says, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you're an NIV or like, uh, if you're an NIV person, uh, the words there will say with Christ. If you're an, uh, you know, English Standard Version, it'll say with or with Christ. Again, but in this scripture, Paul is letting the Ephesian church know, and, and us today, who, are, who we are paired with and what our position is. That we are together with Jesus Christ. That is what God did when, when we put our faith and our trust in Him. God made us together with Christ Jesus. He gave us a new position. In fact, the previous verses in Ephesians 2 talk about what our old position was. So I'll read those to you. This is 1 through to 3. It says, And you he made alive, that, that's us, who were, and this was our old position, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That was our old position. But now, by God's work in Christ, we are made new. You don't have to work for this position. It's not a promotion that you get for working hard, for getting in the office early and staying late, for, you know, putting the right face in front of the right people at the right time. No, it's not that kind of position change. He positions you, that's God. He positions you first, and then you operate out of that position that He has given you. So from these verses, we find that God, that it says he made us alive together, he raised us together, and that he made us sit together. That is the new position that's found by faith in Jesus Christ. You see, Christ was on the cross where we should have been because he was sinless and perfect. We, We were not. But that is the picture of the of verse 4 that we read, it said, but God who is rich in mercy. Our position should have been there because that's what we deserved. But God who is rich in mercy. He made a change in our lives. So because of all this, we have this new position and it's together in Christ. But you might be thinking, how do you ensure that we, how, how, do, we, how do we stay in this position? How do, you, how do you ensure that you stay together with Christ? You know, uh, Rachel and I got married in Port Macquarie in New South Wales on 
July 9th, 2005. That is 16, whew, 16 years ago. And on that day, we got the position of husband and wife. We said the vows. We did you know, everything that you needed to do. Apparently, I looked so nervous that people thought I was about to faint. Not true. Rachel looks stunning, of course. Um, my fainting just came later at the birth of our firstborn, although it wasn't really, it wasn't, just to clarify, it wasn't really fainting. The doctor put me on the ground. I didn't fall on the ground. And then, and then I got, and then I got, and then I got back up as, yeah, as our eldest, as our eldest was born. To make matters worse, because there was a couple of little complications they hit the emergency button when the doctor put me down and so all these nurses started running in and as they run in all I can remember them saying oh it's just the husband it's just the husband it's okay it's okay but anyway back to the back to the wedding day we jumped a long way forward there but just because we acquired that position of husband and wife didn't necessarily mean that we would stay together Maybe there's some people here, and, and that's, that's been what's happened in, in your life. And I, and I want to say this morning that God's grace is here to lift you, that His healing power is here to come and heal uh, wounds that are there in our lives. But there, there were some things that we needed to do to stay together. Staying together meant putting some principles in place to ensure that would happen. And the Bible so often uses a picture of marriage as an explanation of Christ and the church. So this isn't something new. And so what we're going to do for the next few moments is we're going, to, we're going to look at some really practical principles that we can apply in our lives, but it all comes out of this position that we have. You don't do these things to get this position. These help us stay together in Christ. But if, you might be asking, well, but if, but if God put me together with Christ, how could how, how, how could I ever not, not stay with him? Well, the Bible describes our, um, our journey with God a lot, like a, um, a lot like walking, our walk. And if we start to change our alignment when we're walking, it pulls us out of position and out of staying with Christ. And I, I want to really emphasize that our position comes first. It's like a, a good sports coach doesn't say, okay, team, go out on the field, See whatever feels right. If you want to be on the wing, go wing. If you want to be full forward, go full forward. Let's just, you know, just chuck them all out there. We'll see what happens. And then afterwards, we'll decide which position. If I don't know, a good sports coach doesn't do that. Maybe an under six soccer coach does that. But a, but a good sports coach doesn't do that. They set up the positions and then you operate out of that position. Oh, I'm on the wing, so I'm doing this. I'm full forward, so I'm doing this. I'm the goalkeeper, so I get to use my hands. I'm, I'm doing this. It's the same with Christ. We, we, we don't play the game to find out what our position is. We find our position from God. From God, He has placed us as a son and daughter of the Most High. He is, as we read before, He has made us alive together with Christ. He has seated us together with Christ at, at His right hand. God has placed us in those positions, and then we operate out of them. And so what I want to do is take uh, three quick points, and then we'll be done about how we can stay together with Christ. So number one, if you're taking notes, is this, how to, how to stay together with Christ. Number one is we need to watch the words that we speak. 
Watch the words that we speak. I don't, I don't know about you, but I would say the thing I consistently apologize the most about is my speech, is, is, is how I say things, is, is what I say. That whole, when you say something, you want to just grab those words and like slam them back down your throat and go, I can't believe that just sort of came out right, right there. But if we're going to stay in position together with Christ, we need to watch the words that we speak. You see, God has called us not to speak dead words, but to speak words of life. Your position was dead in our trespasses and sins. That's what we read in the scripture before. But now he's made us alive together with Christ. So because we're no longer dead, we need a new language, a new language. I've spoken about this a number of times, but when uh, Reach and I and our kids moved to WA at the start of 2019, we had to learn a new language. No, 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 I'm not, no, no, no I'm, not having, I'm not having a go. But there's there a few terms that we, had to, that we had to learn and our kids had to learn. If you came to school with a popper, people were like, what? Because in New South Wales, a juice box is a popper. I know you're looking at me like, what? It's because I think, because you step on them and they go bang and pop. A little bit simpler over east. So, oh, over east, I learned to say that. See, it just starts flowing out of me now. <laughs> over east. Again, our children were at school. They're like, asked another kid, oh, can you tell me where the bubbler is? And they just looked at them strange. Some of you are looking at me strangely right now. A bubbler is a water fountain, just so you know, because the water bubbles out. I know, simpler over there. It's okay. The water bubbles out. I remember, so uh, I work um, a couple of days a week as a chaplain in a, uh, in a local primary school. I remember seeing up on the social club board that there was a sundowner. I was like, oh, there must be some, you know, bar, cafe called Sundowner. Couldn't go to the first one. Actually, haven't been doing it. Anyway, couldn't go to the first one. Uh, saw it again, like, oh, Sundowner again. It probably took me a year to, oh, that's what they're called, like afternoon, you know, together. Am I right? Or don't look at me blankly because help me, help me out here. It's called a sundown. That's not a place because that's, that's, what, that's what I thought it was. We had to learn a new language. I remember hearing kids saying, oh, sir, he just ditched the ball at me. I'm like, ah, oh, kids with their new language. And then I heard our deputies say, that kid just ditched the ball. I'm like, oh, in New South Wales, it's called peg the ball, obviously. <laughs> You're all looking at me like, what's going on? And then last one, is uh, we just finished uh, our son's soccer season, um, and it's a wind-up. Like, what? Like, it's, a, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a presentation day. It's a wind-up. We, we had to learn a new language. See, the Bible says in Proverbs, sorry, this isn't on the screen, 1821, says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who, um, those who eat of it, they'll, they'll, they'll eat of its fruit. We need a new language. God has called us and he has put us together with Christ. And so we need a new language. Dead words, they concentrate on the past. Dead words talk themselves down. Dead words predict doom and gloom. Dead words pull others down. But God has called us to lift others up. God has called us to speak over our lives words of hope, words of faith. God has called us to speak over our families, over our children, words of faith that speak to their potential. Of course, we need to discipline and say, hey, need to, you know, that's not right, blah, blah, blah. But overall, God has called us to lift them up, to speak life, to speak potential, to speak the seed of grace 
greatness that God has called on the each and on the inside, sorry, of each and every single person. God has called us to speak life. Because you see, our words can pull us away from our together with Christ. But I love, sorry, also not on the screen. I added a whole bunch of scriptures later. Uh, Psalm 19 verse 14 says this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. What, what, a, what a great psalm to meditate on. What a great verse to read through and say, God, let the words of my mouth, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You are my rock and Redeemer. Romans 6 in the message says that sin speaks a dead language to you, but God speaks your mother tongue. Yeah. I love that. There's a new language. If we're going to stay together with Christ, number one, we've got to watch our words. Number two is this. If we're going to stay together with Christ, we've got to create shared experience. Now, I know that doesn't sound very spiritual and like that I've just been on a professional development, you know, um, day or whatever, but obviously that talk is used a lot in team building and, and those types of uh, areas. But, but creating shared experiences is that, it's that sitting around with people and go, oh, do you remember when? We'll, we'll have a whole bunch of these from the, from the quick fit. Do you remember when? Glenn said on Saturday, oh, I'm so glad to put these blinds up and not have to paint again. And then he regretted his words later. <laughs> Do you remember when Rachel said to me on Saturday afternoon, that screen is centered enough, you're not touching it, we need to do other things? I'm like, yes, I remember that. I'm very thankful for those words, but now you're all looking at the screen going, oh, maybe a couple mil. <laughs> don't, don't. I'm going to block you. I'm going to mess your lines up so you can't tell. It's creating shared experiences. Could you sit around with God around the campfire having a hot Milo or whatever and say, hey, God, remember when we did this? Hey, God, do you remember when we had that moment together? Oh, God, do you remember when there was that time last week, last month, 10 years ago? Do you remember, do you remember when that happened? You see, too often... I think because we rely on ourselves, we don't have those experiences with God. Back to, back to Rachel and I. Imagine if I did that with Rachel. Oh, Rachel, remember when we went to that great cafe uh, by the sea and it was like the greatest smashed av you've ever had in your life? Oh, oh wait, that was, that was just me. You went there. Oh, oh sorry about that. Um, okay. Hey, Rachel, do you remember when we went and saw that show and it was amazing and it was... Oh, wait, that was a previous girlfriend. Okay, that's a little bit awkward. No, that's a joke. There wasn't one like that. Okay, but what about our relationship with God? Are we creating shared experiences with Him in our devotional life, with Bible reading, with worship, with prayer? Is it just a duty and a tick the box, or is it truly a shared experience, you and God together? Now, I know that not every day is going to be a blow your mind, amazing. I read this scripture, this great revelation, it just changed and shifted my life forever. But in terms of our relationship with God, is He actually part of it? Is there some shared experiences there between you and between God. What about not just in our devotional life? What about in our walks of faith? 
stepping out when we feel like God has spoken. Uh, I remember as a uh, probably an 18-year-old running a, a life group, and um, we, you know, had run. I was running this youth life group. Said, "Hey, does anyone need prayer?" And then this young boy said, yeah, my knee's really sore. I, I, need, I need prayer. And so I prayed for him. And then I'd seen my pastor go, um, okay, can you move it now? Can you put some weight on it? And he was like, I can, actually. It's healed. And I don't know who fell over in, in more shock, me or the, or the kid who got healed. I was like, what? God, God moved through my life to, to heal someone. It was a shared experience because I stepped out in faith. I, I rang someone this week at about five o'clock on Thursday afternoon going, hey mate, I know I actually don't know you that well and you've only recently been coming here, but can you help us out because we, we just need something done tonight, otherwise we're just not going to make it. And he was generous enough to go, yep, yep, can do, yep, I'm actually leaving work now that I've been out since 7am, but I'll come down. Gave a whole bunch of hours building this thing that we needed. Uh, that we needed done. And he tells me at the end, he's like, you know what? He said, I prayed this morning. And I said, God, give me an opportunity to do something for you today. (laughs) Wow. I don't know if he was more like, thank you, Lord, or I was more like, thank you, Lord. (laughs) It's a shared experience with God where he gets us to step out in faith. What shared experiences could you create this week? And number three, last one, uh, what self, oh, sorry, I changed it, uh, choose God's will over your own. Number three, choose God's will over your own. Uh, I've found in uh, Back to Marriage Life that self-sacrifice is a big deal. Uh, I don't know about if you're married, and this is not offensive to any of the single people, but when I was single, I got to choose what I wanted to do. Got to go where I wanted to go, got to eat where I wanted to eat, got to spend my money how I wanted to spend it. I didn't have a lot, so that was pretty easy to, easy, easy, easy to work out. But what I've found is through that journey of marriage and then through a journey of children on top of, the, on top of that is there's more self-sacrifice. There's more not choosing my own will, but choosing God's will. And in our staying together with Christ... It's also a big deal. You see, Christ sacrificed and gave His all already. We're not trying to make it even with Him. In fact, even I'll read you the Scripture. Ephesians 2 goes on to say this, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's impossible to even up the score. So we don't choose God's will to try and make us get there, to try and even up this score. But just like John the Baptist wrote, he wrote that I, that he, sorry, may increase, that is God, so that I may decrease. David in the Psalms wrote, said that I will not sacrifice that which costs me nothing. Jesus said, whoever shall uh, lose his life for my sake, shall find it. When we say no to our fleshly, temporary desires, we say yes to staying together in Christ. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew uh, 26, he says, he says, He's about to go to the cross and He says, Father, please, we, we, we had the cup, we had communion this morning. So please take this cup from me. 
And then he gets to a point, he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Too many people get to that point and go, oh, too hard, I'll take my will. Can I tell you that your will is easier, there's less pain, but there's also less growth. There's less pain in your will than God's will, but there's also less eternal reward. There's less pain in your will over God's will, but there's also less kingdom purpose. Can, can I be as bold as to say that you will not stay together with Christ if it's always your will? Because being together with Christ is saying no to what I want and yes to what Jesus wants. Now, do sometimes those cross over? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's placing God first, as, uh, as the Bible says, to seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. But your will is probably, possibly maybe the most powerful thing you have been given. God could have created robots who, zombies or whatever, who had to love Him, who had to serve Him, who had to lift their hands in worship, who had to sing, who had to, you know, do all these things, who had to read His Bible. But He didn't. He gave us free will to be able to choose to love and to serve and to follow Him. And so this morning, maybe you're here and you haven't given your life to Christ. What, 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 is, what does that mean? That means that you've put a bit of a line in the sand moment and said, from this day forward, I am going to follow Jesus. I'm going to allow Him to come and shape me from the inside. I'm going to allow His Spirit to speak to my life. I'm going to honour Him as King and Lord of my life. And this morning, just as every head is bowed and eyes closed, I'd love to just give you a moment of reflection and prayer. Because in a moment, we're going to say a prayer that invites Jesus Christ into our lives, to be our Lord and to be our Saviour. And so this morning, if you're here and you've never done that before, or maybe it's been a while since you've done that, then I'd love just to give you the opportunity to lift your hand and say yes to Jesus Christ. Is there someone like that? Just quickly slip up your hand, then you can put it back down. We won't pull you out the front or embarrass you, but we do want to know who we are praying with this morning. Is there someone like that this morning that wants to say yes to Jesus Christ?